As the founder of Endless Events and creator of Event Props Community and host of the Event Industry Podcast, Event Icons, Event Brew, and Event Tech Podcast, Will Curran has been named one of the most influential people in the meeting and events industry, one of the 40 under 40 event industry leaders, 35 entrepreneurs under the age of 35, and the highest customer satisfaction of any event company in the industry. Will has been producing in-person, virtual, and hybrid events since high school when he started his first company and has now worked in the management of large event clients such as Emerald City, Comic-Con, Heiser-Busch, Warner Brothers, Martin Salt, and Uber. His team's mission is to simplify the event planning process by creating the equation for an event's perfect solution. From event management to business development to the latest technologies, Will Curran has a diverse background in growing events and companies to the next level. Welcome to Eventus 365, the podcast that's all about corporate events and the magic behind the scenes. I'm your host, Yannick DaCosta, and I am excited to take you on a journey through the world of corporate events. But before we dive in, let's talk about the stress of creating marketing material for your events. We all know how tough it can be when deadlines are tight and resources are limited, but guess what? YKME Visual Communications has got your back. Our design firm specializes in working with corporate event professionals just like you, and we're here to help take the stress out of creating stunning graphics for your event. Our team of expert designers can deliver custom brand compliant designs in just 12 hours. So whether you mean branding, signage, marketing materials, or anything else, YKMD's got you covered. Okay, now that that's done, let's start the show. And we are diving into the fun stuff. So Will, you're here, you're hanging out with me. We're talking about all the great stuff. Can I tell you how excited I was when I got your message? I was kind of like a, I was like low-key a groupie and I didn't even know it. I was like, I was like, is, is he, I was like, is he actually Or You know, like how sometimes you're on Instagram and you get these messages about like, um, being able to win a million dollars or like, yeah, you're like, oh, it's gotta be too good to true. Yeah, yeah, I was like, Oop. I was like, there's no way. So I was super excited to see you. Um, but little do you know, I'm still needing you to wire transfer me that so I can oh, like, give the money okay. to my Nigerian prince of a, yeah. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's ever going to come, um, but we could, you know, it would be nice to think about. Uh, so diving into the things, right? Um, number one, thanks for joining me, right, on events. Thanks for having me. Um, What's the most embarrassing mistake you've ever made while working on an event? And like, how'd you recover from it? There's like been tons of embarrassing things. I think it's like the embarrassing things that you learn from to know to never do it again. <laughs> um, I had a couple. Um, the first one that comes to mind, I, I think I've talked on other podcasts, so I'll try to pick another one. But one time I was, when we first got our CRM and like, you know, I set up nutshell and put like, you know, we put where the field was like event start time, end time. And then we also had like physical contracts at that point too. And I I basically never verified that the information in my CRM was correct. Either it changed or whatever it was. It was definitely my fault for not verifying. Oh yeah, that's fine. I, I was uh with my my event manager at the time and I was like changing in the warehouse and she calls me and she's like, Where are you right now? I'm like, in the warehouse. She goes, The event starts at six not at seven i'm looking at the clock it's like 5 55 
And I'm like, oh my gosh. So that's a, that's a like a completely long story of like how I totally messed up. I learned always verify the information in your CRM. Um, other like embarrassing things, like I mean, because I was in production, you know, there was all the times where like technology just sometimes went completely wrong, and you would just sit there and be like, I plan for everything to go right why isn't this working and you have to just like troubleshoot immediately um i'm trying to think if there's like anything else super busy i'll give another one that i don't think i've ever talked about on air um i've had it like probably the most embarrassing for me that then you realize is not embarrassing is that when i was djing and i was like doing these massive stage setups i all times i would jump off the stage and like you know like a while rile up the audience or wherever the heck it was or i'd be like jumping on the hop of the subwoofer to like lead the cha-cha slide. I was doing a lot of high school dances and college events back in the day. I love and for you. I've done it so many times. This is probably why I have bad knees now. It's like I jump and I'd slip and just slam like my leg or my knee or wherever the heck it is. And I'm like high energy. So everyone's looking at me and then I slip and like hurt myself. And I'm like, ooh, I gotta, 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 gotta I gotta hey, make, hey, make hey, keep my cool, keep my cool, you know? <laughs> And uh, that, you sweat at this point. Yeah, and I think that was probably some of the most embarrassing stuff. I I ripped my jean, my skinny jeans once at an event for sure. Um, yeah, I've had quite. I think like it feels like a sum of embarrassing things rather than just like that one single embarrassing thing. I have a feeling. I mean that we've all had some things. I feel like oh, we've sure. all had some things, one thing or another. I have one that's actually pretty. It's pretty bad, but like. It's it's bad, but it's not as bad as it sounds versus when it actually happened. Like one time at band camp, no. Um, <laughs> when I I sent out this email, and you know, different like different platforms, um, depending on what they are from your like your CRMs, like Active Campaign to like you know Splash, like they have different formats for customization. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I type it out like on like you know Microsoft. And then I paste it into the platform to press send and schedule it. It's all good. And it goes out. It goes out to everybody. And it's in the interwebs. <laughs> no, 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 no. My favorite part about it, right? It's one thing for it to like be out there, right? It yeah. then actually went to their inboxes and it said, hello, open parentheses, first name, close parentheses. Oh, yeah. You forgot to put, like, the, the action. Yeah, the... And I almost, because it was such a rookie thing. And it was just like, <laughs> there is no way this is happening in, like, my actual life. I've done that so many times. Yeah, Or you put the wrong person's name. Like, back when, like, like Tinder and Bumble were just getting started, you know, you start to figure out a formula, like, what's working. Oh, yeah, copy and You're paste. like, yeah, yeah. And you're like, copy, paste. And you're like, Oh shoot! I just sent a message to Katie, and her name is Janelle or something like that. And you're like, "Yep," it's and so, that's how I'm not never gonna get the first date. <laughs> it's so bad that I used to. Touch. I don't even. I don't really do the dating apps anymore. But once upon a time, I actually used to have my bio typed out, like in my like my notes on my iPhone, and then my like answers to very specific questions that I just copy and paste. Because I was just like, "Listen, this is all about." Like, I did that. Know, I did that on eHarmony for sure. <laughs> Try to do this at scale. You know, if I give this to 25 guys, at least one to 25 has to hit. Um, tell me you're a marketer without telling me you're a marketer. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the fun stuff. So, okay. You know, you were talking about um, doing a lot of events for like high schools and stuff. I actually started my design when it comes to events in college and for a lot of like 
college parties and like sororities and fraternities. Heck yeah. And like then it transitioned to like nightclubs. And a lot of designers, even now, like they turn their nose up at like nightclub work. But at the end of the day, like oh that gosh. nightclub work, it got me into casinos. That casino work mm -hmm. got me into corporations. That corporation yeah. work kind of just like, oh, got me here. Right? It's For sure. Kind of like, I feel like it's a like one piece. It's that piece of artwork that I also think that you can put your brand, personal brand on. So you probably got to sign it as being designed by you. Because they're oh, like, yeah. let's be honest, yeah. these, like, these college events or these club events, you know, they get their like, here's 50 bucks to design a flyer and you're like okay i really should be getting paid more money to do this but i know i can whip this out in like less than an hour so like Absolutely. and i want my name on it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah no 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 so i used to tag it so i used to tag it with my logo and uh, my email address and phone number so that more people could contact oh, me for work so i used to churn i used to churn those things i can churn those things out oh my god I think, I think i was one of the few just that i mean mind you this is like you know 20 2009 2010 it yeah, doesn't yeah. sound that long ago, but it feels like forever. <laughs> um, and I was one of the few designers that was like, you know, making $175 a pop. And I was like, you know, 30 minutes. Um, I'm, like, I'm done. Boom, boom, knocking boom, them boom. Out. And that has to pay for like a pet house apartment in Miami. So yeah, why people turn their nose up at it? Because it also helped develop a skill. Like, you know, it's oh. still, there's still hierarchy. There's still color. There's still color contrast. Uh -huh. It's about how you choose to apply those things. And then and, and everyone's got so many pretty posters in like the club world. Like you really got to figure a way. Like yeah, how am I going to get this to ca that. capture the attention? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. There's there's definitely there's definitely some uh, value in starting there. So I don't know. So so that's what, somewhere like where I have a little bit of graphic design experience in events is that we uh, when we did the college and high school events, um, we kind of stole this idea from Boom Entertainment, but they create like club and poster flyers for these high school and college events. So it looked like you were going to a club because like everyone who's not 21, what do they want to be? 21 so they can drink right so like so badly yeah so then what i did is i create all these posters but what was so perfect about it is that like i got to put like i had all the high schools handing out these flyers trying to promote their event but i always put like you know oh dj will see from arizona pro djs and like put the oh, arizona pro djs presents and like it mm -hmm. created this brand where literally they were promoting like we were coming like an act into the school and like yeah. that was one of the best things i ever did for uh, on the marketing standpoint was yeah like put your name on the actual work yeah, no, that that was definitely a thing. So what do you think sets events apart from like the ones that kind of like fall short? Because I mean, you were just talking about like, what do what do people want like when they're 21 to be 21? Like, I mean, in that same, I feel like it's like a, a great frame to like transition to that specific, but like what do you think sets events apart? Yeah, I, like I think it obviously depends on like who your audience is and there's all like that it depends quite like answers that you can kind of put to this. Um, but like, I think when it comes to like, what really makes a great event for me is, um, a, that it's so, so seamless that people don't really even, they think to themselves like, how was this even possible? Like, how did they even think of this? Um, but for us, like as event professionals, we just like, it's so easy. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, that's one of my favorite parts about like getting to create an event is that like people are just that are in events are like mind blown about what, what you did and to you you're like oh yeah it's like walk in the park um so i think that's one first thing is like it's so smooth that it seems so much like magic to everybody else i think the next piece of it is that um it it, it gets people to change something you know, like, uh, for example, one of the most common, like, uh, answers to this question is, like, it changes their behavior, right? It gets them to do something differently. It gets them motivated. It gets them to act this way or whatever it may be. But for me, it creates this moment in their life that they can look 
back on. I mean, I think that like you talk about life event. I think like a really truly incredible event and the ones that I've attended that changed my life are the ones that get me to like think of a new idea or to get me to, you know, change the way I think about something or to meet someone that ends up, you know, uh, changing my life course in some sort of way. I think those are the truly, really impactful events. Granted, like, I don't think that all the events that we plan are going to be that way. I think anyone out there who thinks that like every single event that you're going to plan, especially if you're like a third party planner, um, you know, or you're a supplier, like, yeah, like you, you, you're lucky if you get to work on that caliber of events every single day, but we don't, there's a, for every one of those events, there are five that you, that aren't changing someone's behavior that might be more of a filler. But I think that what the filler events are that aren't changing people's lives allow you to work on skills that then allow you to elevate your planning abilities and your skill set to make it so you can then deliver that level of experience to somebody um so i think that's for me like the ones that really set apart are definitely the ones that seem so magical and so easy but then also like really impactfully change people like there's a saying from a movie I love called Groove. And it says, like, so why why do you do events? Like, why why do you do this? Like, you, and it's talking about this underground rave they're doing in, in San Francisco. And they're like, you know, you have the risk of getting, you know, uh, uh, arrested. You know, you can lose a ton of money. Why do you, like, put all this effort in? He's like, you don't know why? He's like, no, tell me why. He goes, I do it for the nod. He's like, the nod? He's like, everyone's one time per party. Someone walks up to me and goes, like, thanks for doing this. This changed me. This changed my life. And they nod. And I nod back. And I think, like, that for me is what makes an amazing event is when that person then, like, recognizes that this event changed them. Or sometimes subconsciously, they don't even know it until they get home. It's interesting you talk about change because I have this. Oh, I know where I got it from, too. There's this guy called Alex Hermosi. He's, um, He's like the the marketing guy of all marketing guys, but he's really like um, about business, business scaling, buying businesses, making business more profitable, all of this. And he says regularly, I'm sure because it's in my head like it's me who says it. Um, there's no point in reading a book if after you read the book, you don't actually change any of your behavior or implement anything that you learned from the book. So sometimes I feel like if we're talking about an industry specific kind of event, people should leave with an action item. Mm -hmm. That's just how I feel. And even let I mean, even if we're talking about like Coachella or like Burning Man, like people yeah. should leave like feeling relaxed. Like I can go back like something. They should leave with something. Yeah. For like sure. Something that has impacted the way they think, feel, for sure. act, something. Yeah. I mean like I think music festivals are a really great example. Like I've had life changing experiences at music festivals and like you know, you know that a lot of times you think to yourself like, oh, yeah, listen, it's just music being played on stage. But you don't realize like that music can sometimes move people to get catharsis about a trauma that they've had. They could lead to um, somebody to, like, you know, meeting a girl that eventually becomes their wife, you know, and um, there could be like a million different things that then impact those things. But like we have to recognize that these events do have that power to be able to really create these incredible experiences that change people, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Uh, switching gears just a little bit. So you are like the events guy of events guys. Like <laughs> you're that guy, right? Like I feel like you have the repository of information. So 
like your company's guide to event trends is like one of the best guys published every single year. What are some of the most exciting trends you're seeing emerge in 2023 or for 2023? It feels like the year is almost over. By the <laughs> it, it does. It's always so funny that like we publish this guide, you know, we write it all basically the end of like the second half of the year leading up to it because we're preparing for like what's changing in this year is going to lead to next year. Mm -hmm. And we publish it. And as soon as it's published, we're like, Ed, that's why, you know, like I always say these trend guides, you got to like, you got to stay on top of them. And, but at the same time too, like pick one thing, implement it throughout the entire year, because, you know, far too often things are changing so fast that it, you end up getting just leaning so much on these trends guides. You then get stuck, not changing yourself and not deciding to move forward a trend on your own. But anyways, um, to that point, um, I think that the, when it comes to these trend guides, the things that are most exciting for me is really about like what's gonna now happen with events now that we have for 2023 like what's gonna happen now that we've kind of come out of the pandemic like even though it's technically still going on i guess you know and how do we close my mind and, by the way yeah right um and how do we then take all this learning that we've had and these experiences that we've had and now how do we implement it now that things have kind of settled in a lot of ways you know, last year, I think a lot of people were like, got to do hybrid. We got to do hybrid. We got to do hybrid. And then, but then a lot of people were like, oh, wow, I see a lot of success doing not hybrid, just going purely in person. And so a big trend, I think, is recognizing, though, that now that that's kind of come and gone, people are in some ways might be craving virtual again because they are like, maybe I don't want to attend this conference in person. Maybe I don't want to get on the plane. Maybe I yeah, don't, maybe I don't want to go on the plane. Family. Maybe I don't want to have to do the 32-hour travel to the exactly. other side of the world. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think that a lot of people are feeling that way right now, and I'm feeling that way. Like, I cut down tremendously on the amount of travel that I've done, so I'm looking for alternative ways uh, on that end. I think the other big trend that we're seeing um, this year is really related to, you know, how do we effectively use... And, and this is very relevant, I think, to you in a lot of ways is like, how do we market events in a lot of ways? Like, I not only that, but like, it's the crosshairs of not only how do we market the events, but also like, how do we sometimes use the events as marketing? Like, I think marketing is really changing in 2023. We're basically coming out of a time when there was more investment money in software companies than ever. So the ideas of doing content marketing is kind of dead because everybody's doing it, right? Uh, and, you know, there's so much money being that was being pummeled into marketing. And then now there's this grass to be like, wow, oh my gosh, our sales are down. They were booming in 2020 or 2021. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And so like everybody's struggling to figure out like what's next for marketing. So I see as a big trend figuring out, you know, A, you got to figure out how you're going to market now moving forward. I don't necessarily have the answer for what's the perfect form of marketing. You know, I used to preach inbound. I think there's a couple different ways we go and one of them is related to another trend that I have. Um, but I think a lot of people are right now struggling to figure out like what's the future for marketing going to look like and that's where i think the future of events really is going to come in place is that like we can use events to lead the growth and that's a big you know air me shout out to them created this term called event-led growth i think that's really a huge future for us um but you know another big trend that is kind of related to that marketing end of things is also like i'm really <laughs> this is the thing i've been preaching the most is like community and related a lot of ways is community marketing you know, people right now, I think, are feeling very icky about social media. You know, like for me, like I'm I basically only have LinkedIn. I got rid of Twitter after it kind of had its implosion. I haven't been on Facebook in a number of years and I get on LinkedIn and I feel like it's a lot of like 
you're look at me. You know, and if anyone is on audio only, I'm like pounding my chest and acting like a gorilla, right? <laughs> and I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, I still want that sense of connection. I still want to get help online, but I don't want to necessarily go someplace where an algorithm is deciding what I see. And I definitely don't want to be on a place that's filled with stuff I don't care about in a lot of ways. So like for me right now, I'm thinking that community is really going to be a big future of marketing because people still want that connection and companies have the ability to be able to deliver these spaces with thought experts and all the same reasons why we did content marketing in the first place. I think we have the future to be able to do that as well. And I think more importantly, because you know, some people listening to this might be thinking, well, I'm not going to use community marketing, blah, blah. Well, if you're an event person, I think we need to be thinking about how do we take all the energy that we create in an event and then continue it year round. And that's where I think the community comes. You build all this energy, you build all this hype, you build all this excitement, and then we do nothing with it. But in reality, like we should be saying, oh, you love this event so much? All those people are also here. So we can continue almost like the events going all year round. Um, so that's one big thing that I've been really focused on is the community stuff. And then I got a bunch of other random weird ones and things like that that we can talk about if, if we want to go down that rabbit hole. But community is kind of the, for me this year, is the big trend that I think that we can really, really implement within our businesses that's going to, and within our events to really see a impactful difference and also potentially solve that marketing challenge that I'm talking about earlier. So lots of things going off in my head. So <laughs> the first one is like, we're talking about the trend of seeing people, you know, because there was one point where everybody was going stir crazy, right? They're like, let me out. And now they're like, and now they're like, yeah, no. And I was just waiting on everybody to catch up with me because I <laughs> never liked leaving my house. I, yeah. always, I was like, this is such a, you mean I have to put on makeup? I have to comb out my hair? Are you Have you ever tried to comb out my hair? Of course you have. Uh, it, it takes some time, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to get the, pe the perfect face beat and the right outfit. And then there's the shoes. Then there's, you know, there's the before event shoes and during event shoes. And then after event shoes, and you have to all fit them in your bag. Um, it's <laughs> and, just... and, oh, and, not, and, you know, a lot of people have kids now or, you know, they, oh, they got yeah. a dog during the pandemic. Even... You know, like there's so many like you talk about that, those are almost like all internal struggles that we decide not to feel. But then like think yeah. about like all the external stuff and pressure that we're feeling feeling right. as well. Yeah, no, that complete again. You can also tell that I'm single with no children because I <laughs> think of that. I was like, sure. I'm just struggling as a human. Okay, yeah, for sure, like, for sure. Even like you know, during the pandemic, like I know that there were not a lot of people making a lot of money. Thankfully, I wasn't in the situation because I my business pivoted in a way where it made that accommodation, and we were just flush. But now it's also looking at like my expenses, and I was like, this is awesome. You mean client dinners can be virtual without me spending money now? That's great. Right. Like, even if I do, it's like sending a gift card for Uber Eats. Like, it's amazing. Versus, like, you know, the $500 bill is like, oh, yes, you know, some cookies for the kids. Let's chat. Um, so I, I felt I felt that one deep in my soul, and I hope that that trend perseveres. <laughs> uh, and then when you were talking about community, I thought it was also interesting. So last season, we had talked to um, Liz Lathan, and she's like, yeah, uh, she's serious about it. Right. And she's like community factory, like all about a thing. And she was actually the person, <clears throat> sorry, who after talking to her, I was just like, oh, she sold me the Kool-Aid. Like I yeah. felt it. And as much as she sold me the Kool-Aid, that little part, I was like, how do I build this community? So I think oh. my, I think my Q4 
yeah, my my Q4 of last year, well, now I don't have quarters anymore. Now I have like horizons, which is a whole other thing to explain. But um, my Q4 was like spent planning out how I'm going to actually build a community or oh, environment yeah. in 2023. It is within my like, you know, towards the end of the year thing. But I do think it's definitely a very important thing to to be able to create and cultivate and nurture and and build these very authentic relationships that are mutually beneficial. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And I think like, you know, we're in this this stage right now where I think people are willing like I think there's going to be this trend that's going to happen in social media in the next like year or so is that it's going to people are going to be okay with the idea of paying money in order to have these kind of platforms that we like rather than giving up our data or um you know uh you know feeling like at any time a platform is going to disappear i think people are going to get to the point where they say you know oh yeah like i'm willing to pay 10 bucks a month to use linkedin or something like that i think that day is when the platforms will go less about how do we only get engaged. How do we get people to come back? Because if we don't get engaged, we don't get ad clicks. And if we don't get ad clicks, we don't, you know, this and, you know, and, oh, if we and if we don't get people to come back, uh, you know, that they're, you know, our dad, the data we have on them across the web is going to go away. Therefore, our advertisers are going to be less happy. I think that's going to that that can go away and then focus back on what social media was great for in the beginning, which is like the idea of bringing people together and allowing people to connect. Um, but, you know, until that day, I think this is the prime opportunity for anyone out there who has an audience to basically come and say, like, yeah, let me build a space where my 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 thousand true fans can come together. You know, I love that. I I, I feel like as you were saying, I was like, and I hope no one kills me. Like, I was like, I would totally pay money to use LinkedIn just to, like, get rid of me. Pressure to to alleviate some of the pressure that the organization is facing, so that they can provide me with a more authentic user experience. Exactly, boom. That's was, like I think the best way to describe it. I was like, yeah, I was like, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> so, <laughs> you were talking uh, earlier about how you have like a, a bunch of other weird trends. Like, what are some of, like the weirdest trends you see emerging recently? Yeah. So, um, what's really cool is that I I forgot to kind of mention this is, but like. I started as working events. I kind of mentioned like the the DJ company I own that turned into a production company that then turned to an event management company. But luckily, like one of the reasons why I love coming up with these these trends is that like our company is like in the weeds. We're an event management company, literally working events, seeing every aspect of our events with the, when it comes to clients. And so a lot of them also too come from me attending events. So what I try to do is marry my knowledge from the years of planning events and then attending events. But one thing that I'm feeling a lot of, and this is my hot take controversial one that everyone loves talking about is that I think in 2023 that we're gonna be looking at the rise of cannabis within events. Um, you know, I think that there's a hum- like a huge cultural shift towards acceptance of cannabis and it's no longer taboo anymore. It's getting legalized in so many different places. But I think for a lot of people, instead of going to the bar, they're looking, they're reaching for cannabis instead. And so I think as event professionals, even if you aren't planning on serving it or whatever, it is, you need to be aware that people are going to be partaking in it. And I think we need to design our experiences around that. And better, if even better, is if you can then also allow that experience then to happen. Because then, you know, I think it's a really, really positive trend. I mean, for me, it's cheaper than alcohol. So, like, think about, like, as an attendee, I'm way happier to pay $10, 
mean for an edible, but like you'd say ten dollars for a drink times five drinks, you're spending fifty to sixty bucks, you know, very, very easily. I mean, but now all I heard was calories when you said five drinks. I was like, Yeah, and then yeah, I get calories. Exactly, exactly. That's my reason for not drinking. It's calories. I'm like I go yeah. out to the club and I'm like, can I get a coconut water? And they're like, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, seriously. Oh, you don't have coconut water? Okay, I'll just take regular water because what you will not do is destroy this body. And what's interesting too is that like for a lot of people, they're moving away from alcohol. Like I don't drink anymore. And so like when I'm going to an event and then all you're serving is alcohol beverages, you know, it's kind of feels weird for me that I'm like, oh, I'm not planning on drinking. So, you know, I think this also pairs into a very big trend we're seeing towards, you know, the need for like non-alcoholic beverages at our, our events, you know, mocktails, all these things like that, I think are really great opportunities for event professionals to be thinking about this. And that pairs very closely to the idea that people just in general just aren't drinking as much but maybe are reaching for things like cannabis instead um i think that it's uh it's proving to be a really really awesome chance for event professionals to experiment too because right now like at an event like if you were gonna like enjoy cannabis you might be like oh i'm gonna go you know smoke a joint in the the alleyway or oh hey like do you have the, you're shady place yeah you're whispering you do you have the edibles you know and like yeah there's this chance i think for event professionals to get ahead of this trend and start implementing inside of their events and you know a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that people think it's still kind of taboo, but it isn't. You literally can almost ask anybody out there and be like, do you like cannabis or not? And it's an open conversation. It's not I'm as like about, much as it used to be. I'm about to give you the funniest story ever in life. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to send this recording to it. So <laughs> I was in Colorado with my old boss. Um really really cool guy like i mean it like me and his daughters were the same age but he's like for me right presents as this very traditional you know older white guy who's you know very like midwestern kind of you know straight as narrow follow the rules get things done kind of guy i mean generally like when it comes to workspace he was very intense however i still appreciated him as a human being and I also wanted to make a good impression, right? Like, mm -hmm. we're in Colorado at this conference, okay? I'm Jamaican. I was born in Jamaica. The The general stereotype of Jamaicans is that, like, that all they do is smoke marijuana. Mind you, <laughs> I never saw I never saw weed until I came to America. And I think I was, like, post, like, graduated or something really. That's amazing. And, <laughs> um, and so we're walking down the street and I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's gonna think it's me. And everywhere we're going, all we're doing, like, and at this point, like, marijuana was not, I wanna say it was maybe 2015, but like, there okay, was, so right, either it just got legalized or it was about to be legalized or Colorado, yeah. Colorado was like, I think at the time, the only recreational state. And then California wasn't recreational yet, it was like medicinal. And all I could think to myself was, oh my God. Oh my God, this man is going to think that I am high this whole time. Because everywhere we go, it smells like weed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope he knows it's not me. And I was so stressed about it the entire yeah. time we were there. And I'm almost sure this man gave no thought to it. I'm, I'm quite sure he was not. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I'm in my 20s. I'm like, yeah, yeah. God, I'm like, I want to make a good impression. This is like, totally, totally. Thought. And I can only imagine now, right? Like, with the easy access to be able to just go and, like, oh, um, you know, I'm in Seattle. I'm going to stop at a dispensary, you know, yeah. on my way from some state that where it's not like, you know, from Georgia. 
right? I'm going to stop at dispensary or whatever, whatever. Yeah. And thinking, gosh, I hope no one tells my boss because, you know, no one else is doing it. Like, I can imagine yeah. like, the kind of anxiety around that. And then thinking to yourself, well, I guess maybe I shouldn't have a drink. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. It's Yeah. It's it's very interesting too because like so I like you know this is my personal opinion but like as a CEO of a company that's had a lot of employees and you know like I would much rather have an employee partake using cannabis be and then drinking because if you drink I mean this is how I feel nowadays is if I drink I'm gonna feel like crap the next day but you and, do. I, and and you feel like you feel you know. Uh, and you do like you can be hungover. You can be just feel you feel sluggish. It doesn't matter even if you can take your alcohol. Well, it slows you down. But like canvas, like you partake with it, and you like basically are like, oh, I'm. It's a normal day. <laughs> like it's just real. Like, you're like, like so like, like as a boss, like I would this. Um, yeah, okay. exactly, exactly. So like I'm imagining like an employee incentive party or something like that. Like I would rather that happen because then we could have serious conversations about the quarterly goals tomorrow rather than everyone wake up and be like oh it's 11 and my head is pounding yeah yeah no i think i think that's fair um yeah no i think that's fair and i don't know if i i don't know if i think that was like taboo because so i especially like in 2020 i know a lot of things 2020 was i spent a lot of time by myself <laughs> for sure i did a lot of deep diving and research into like different industries and things and like the cannabis industry was one where I was like really like feeling like I should like heavily commit. Like I joined like all these membership groups to find out all these different things. I was like, I think I might want to be in like the cannabis marketing industry. And then we won't talk about where that went when I, <laughs> I um, but I do feel like there's a place for it, like a set up place for it. And it's going to be a thing where everybody's either going to have to get in first and get in really good mm -hmm. or they're kind of going to be like left by the wayside picking up the crumbs from like the people who got in early and built those real relationships, you know? Because sure. like even like there are certain cannabis brands like we're having a really hard time getting like, you know, POS processing or like. Mm -hmm. Um, packaging or shipping, like there's a whole like they have they're they're dealing with all these challenges. So for someone to come in in the early stages and like help them fix this problem and then evolve together, there's a different level of bonding and appreciation that happens in spaces like that. Definitely, so, definitely. And yeah. and I'll give a for anybody who's like to to help uh, to kind of put hopefully an end cap on this for you. It's like anybody who's listening to this right now is like, well, oh, well, it's not legal where I'm going to be. It's or like I'm not going to have I don't really agree with it or whatever it is. You have to recognize this is what trends are really about, that this it, trend is a impacting force that's going to happen whether you like it or not. And here's the most important thing I would suggest to anybody is just be prepared that don't be shocked if you spent ten thousand dollars on a bar for a party and it doesn't even get utilized or full, not even 100% utilized, but like <laughs> even half utilized. If you see consumption is down of alcohol at your events, just recognize this trend is happening and this is why it's happening. Um, so then that way, you know, and especially in 2023, we're all concerned about budgets. How do I get more budget when, you know, potentially there's an economic disaster around the corner or it's already happened or whatever it may be. You know, we need to be prepared that like budgets are tighter and this is a way that you can potentially save money instead. Maybe it's from going in for, a, a, you know, a free bar for everyone to utilize for free. It's starting to charge people for drinks to say, like, let's save that $10,000 and put it towards 
a keynote speaker that's better to have, you know, that can motivate our employees, whatever it may be. But I think this is the way that we need to be thinking about our events. Um, and if a larger trend, I'll, sorry, I know I'm totally ranting now at this point, but like a big trend, I think for this year is that like people need to stop taking their 2019 playbooks of their events, even their 2020 playbooks. And we got to like toss them out the window. We got to crush the box instead of just think outside the box. And we got to start fresh because like it's literally getting to the point where people are just doing the same things over and over and over again. And then sitting here going, but I wish I had more budget. Oh, I can't do that innovative idea because of this X, Y, Z, whatever it is. I'm like, well, have you ever thought about getting rid of your catering budget completely? And they go, how dare you say that we change anything? (laughs) God forbid. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm 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 gonna leave it there because I think I'll jump on a soapbox when it comes to just like people being willing to pivot, change, you know, review, and then and make decisions based on like real day data versus what they think should happen in their head. Um, but you did talk about recognizing things, and um, since we're gonna talk about recognizing things, you're often recognized as like an influential figure in the events industry. I mean, Thanks. again. I mean, I'm I like probably like the biggest groupie in this room right now. Um, so, what advice? What advice do you have for event professionals looking to establish themselves and you know grow their career? Yeah, I mean, like one of the first things I would have is like everyone thinks that there's like this perfect like you have to fit in fit into this mold that and again like this is the box crush the box kind of mentality like about what you need to be saying, what ideas you need to have, how you need to be specifically innovative and things like that. But in reality, like none of that matters at all. Like, so one tip I'd give to anybody who's aspiring to like make a dent in the industry is that like, um, you know, these last probably three, four years or so, I haven't been afraid to be really controversial in the industry. I'm not saying like I go out on LinkedIn and put people on blast. (laughs) That's kind of dumb. And that's kind of a great way to make people not like you, but like, and I think we, we've talked in small private circles, actually, about how there's people who do that and it they no one likes them. Right. But what I do think is that everyone sits here and says, well, I'm afraid to talk about cannabis because, you know, it's not necessarily legal. It's kind of taboo. But reality, like I started a podcast called Event Brew and it was like I was like, you know, what? we have all these amazing conversations at uh, conferences and things like that. And we never talk about this stuff on on like event icons and event tech podcasts my other like podcasts i'm like you know why why are we afraid to talk about this i was like you know what i want to stir things up i want to make a place where we feel comfortable to talk about anything we want to talk about and tell it how it really is and we did that and i've talked about some crazy stuff and we've like you know like we've talked about everything about like the death of associations which god forbid you ever talk about the death of associations in the events industry um you know we've talked about things like like would you plan an event for a controversial figure in history right like all these things that you think to yourself like these are things that we actually think about and care about what happens when your client isn't paying you on time like where's the gray area in terms of like when you fire a client versus not fire a client all these things like that that we actually care about that are considered kind of controversial i I'll tell you that I've never gotten an email out of the, from a listener being like, oh, my gosh, I was so offended or, oh, my gosh, I was never, like, denied a speaking engagement because, like, somebody said, oh, I listen to your podcast and I don't agree with X, Y, Z. I think that our industry is so hospitable about listening and being so open and honest with each other that, like, there's chances for anybody, if you have an innovative idea or a controversial opinion, like, say it, put it out there. Um, 
again, I don't think you should put people down as part of that. You shouldn't be like, oh, you know, uh, MP3 is the best form of audiophile. It waves suck. So, you know, because Brant and I are really cool friends. Brant, you suck for thinking that wave is the best format file. Here's why it is, you know, things like that. I don't think you should do that, but, like, I think that we should be a little bit more controversial and a little bit more open to pushing the boundaries of what we do. Um, the Another tip that I'd give to people who are looking to make an impact in the industry is that I wouldn't be afraid to start building your personal brand separate from your company earlier rather than later. Um, Ooh, that's, you know... Fair. <laughs> and, and I think you'll like this one too because you obviously you do this basically for a living is that like for me when I was starting my company I was endless and like I was my company I, you know I wear lime green t-shirts all the time people joke about all the time oh my gosh Will's not wearing lime green today I'm actually not wearing lime green today so people I'm sure are actually freaking out about this and you know like uh, people would be like you know I was always afraid to like detach it in some ways and it wasn't until I was like I need to buy willcurran.com and make it talk about me as a speaker and all these things like that, that I really started seeing that people were like, oh, Will Curran, Endless, two separate entities from each other. But it doesn't mean that you can't put all your energy into focusing on that one thing. And that's probably another tip I'd give to people is that a lot of times too, I see people really start to split their energy between two different things. And you'll notice that like for Will Curran right now at this point moment, like, I am doing a little bit of double duty. I'm promoting Endless, but I'm also working on my new project, Event Profs Community. And so, like, I am putting those energy into those two separate things. I'm a little hypocritical when it comes to this, but it's because <laughs> I've gotten Endless to the point where it starts to grow and yeah, run itself yeah. without me. And now I'm ready to, like, go to my next thing that I'm going to help grow until it doesn't yeah. need me anymore. Then I'll move on yeah. to my next thing. And I think um, for a lot of people, I noticed that, you know, they – their their energy is like they decide to join a board of an association. I obviously have a lot of problems with associations, so we're not going to that one. But I can't, I like can't a wait. I can't wait to poke at your, <laughs> your, your your controversial comment there. Oh my gosh! And so like you know, I've noticed a lot of times people will be like, "Oh, I'll join this association." They put like all their energy into that association, but then they're also trying to promote their company brand and then also trying to promote their personal brand. You kind of have to limit it in some way and choose where you're going to focus that energy. Um, there's a good book called The One Thing that talks a lot about this. Love that uh, book. That's a great book. Yeah. Um, and so and then one last, I got to just think good things come in three. Um, I think that if you're really looking to make an impact in the industry, like you got to be really, really innovative in how things get implemented. Like I felt like that what's made me really successful in the industry is that I use software to communicate. Like I remember when we got Slack and no one else in the industry was using Slack. They're like, that oh, email, you know, you know, and yeah. And like now it's like super duper commonplace. Well, when they announced the feature that lets you connect to other organizations, we were immediately like, how can we connect to our client Slacks? How can we connect to our vendor Slacks? How can we all use Slack? Because that's how we communicate. Yeah. And let's make that the future. And people go, oh, well, isn't that kind of weird to be instant messaging your clients and things like that? Isn't that kind of informal? And it's like, no, this is what the future and how we have to go for it, you know? We talk to our clients too. Exactly, exactly. And so like, I think like when it comes to it, like you have to be looking for a little, not just the bleeding edge of within the industry, but also the bleeding edge that's happening outside the industry. So my, my, my suggestion to everybody is like, you know, you'll notice that part of my trends, I didn't talk about the AI movement that kind of like blew up this first quarter. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? Uh, chat, chat GPT is like the number one fastest growing consumer product of all time. It was like Ridiculous. 100 million users yeah. in like two months or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fast um, everybody else out here. That's 
already killing <laughs> Yeah, and so I think, like, in a lot of ways, it is definitely a trend. Honestly, it blew up after we had already written our guide, again, showing you how fast this moved. But I think the important thing is that, like, if you're seeing this, I see so many people are like, I haven't even opened up ChatGPT. I'm like, I use it every day. I'm using it on my phone. I'm asking Bing all the time, like, what the answer to the XYZ is instead of Googling it. And I think that, like, if you choose that you say, oh, I'm going to wait until someone else tells me that it's important, it <laughs> Here it's important. You need to at least explore it. And I've yeah. been exploring very deep. And I think this is a thing that's going to really fundamentally change the industry. And I think the people who are burying themselves right now within saying like, oh, I don't really need ChatGPT or or they're, they're trying to get caught up in the conversation about, um, you know, uh, the, the, the rights of artists and where copyrights are and things like that. I think those people are the same people who are going to think to themselves, oh, I don't like Napster because, you know, it's illegal and blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Napster still changed the entire world. And do you, what's the what's the quote that he says in the social network? Do you see anyone else buying a Tower Records? You know, like we have to think about these things and think about how you can't wait for them to come to you. You need to sometimes go to them as well. Well, I think that's a really great point. I think that's a really great pivoting point for me. Well, I guess it's not a pivoting point or like a response point. So. I had to write it all down because I was like, whoa, whoa. We'll talk so much. <laughs> no, all the shots were fired. So I am a president of an association and I love a it. vice president of an association. Um, but my reasoning. Thank for you for your money, service. <laughs> right, because God, cause God knows it, it's, it's for the love. It's not for the money. Um, but my reasoning for doing it was, well, my first thing was when it came to the Graphic Artists Guild, it was really about getting access to a lot of information in terms of like how to run a business. So the graphic artist mm -hmm, yeah. really focuses and provides resources for graphic artists when it comes to like how to actually make money with that good yeah. stuff, right? So it's like, it's about education yeah. uh, around running a business and you, you didn't know where to exactly find that information on how to exactly. like so run the business side of the graphic. And so I got, yeah. and so I got a lot of, a lot, I got, I got as far as I am today based on like a lot of the things that like they share. I mean, they- That's cool. Whatever I guess I should say it's like entrepreneurs organization or yeah. something like that. It's nice. a it's a it's a trade association now. It's nice. like the workers union once upon a time. Now I say all of that to say the reason I'm still in in organizational leadership with them is because for a long time, actually when I first started, like I was the only black leader, and I was like, oh wow, that's amazing. I was like. I was like mm. It is, but for me, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I bet you, I like have no idea how hard it probably was, but it was probably good to like for you to kind of push through right. that. Absolutely. And so then I was like, I want more people that look like me to have access to the same information, and I also want them to be involved in the conversation. And I'm really proud of where we are now because now we have multiple people that look like me in leadership, and we have a much more diverse membership base than we did when I first started. So for me, that's like the labor of love. And that's really about like getting that information out to more young girls like me. Like I'm Jamaican. Deciding to become like a graphic designer is like a faux pas. It's like, so you're not a doctor, lawyer, engineer. What kind of immigrant are you? Um, and so that's my labor of love. And then there's also like I'm vice president of this thing called the International Council of Design, which is uh, a group of worldwide organizations all working together to like influence the design community like globally. So 
that in itself is not necessarily about growing the business, right? But yeah. it's really about like, again, building those authentic relationships, really adding value to the community. So I still love my association. <laughs> uh, I just had to say that. Heck yeah. I think, I, I think there is a future for associations. So like my, my big like point about it is like, I think associations need to transition towards being online first, because like, I think you can reach more people. Like, I think then it makes it a little bit more accessible as well, right? Like, you know, like I think one of the things that can be kind of scary, and I mean, like, I, for anyone who's not watching the video version, I'm a white dude from Phoenix, Arizona. You know, my dad's a doctor. I'm like the last guy who gets to talk about diversity. I have so much to learn when it comes to it. But I will say that, like, you know, I'm wondering if it would have been easier for, you know, like you said, you're trying to attract people that look like you and that are like that that then feel comfortable and start to build that like uh, uh that relationship in a lot of ways i feel like the internet is the the thing the barrier that allows you to break through that it almost doesn't matter where you're from or who you are way back around because every in my opinion i think in the because i grew up from the 90s internet when it was really truly free like any the internet is the equal playing ground in a lot of ways so like i think that for me, I'm like, hey, associations need to be thinking about how they can go internet first rather than who can show up to the meeting in person or, yeah, those sort of things. Or who's the, you know, for me, in a lot of ways, like, I'm kind of bitter about it. It's like, it's whoever's in the, on the association board or the chapter board that really gets the value from it. When in reality, it's like, no, like. Well, what about the actual you members who are. You get value the second you join. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean. I can, you know, we can do a little pat on the back because <laughs> we were virtual long before 2020. Like all of it were virtual, like That's webinars, amazing. all the fun stuff. Um, this is all my shameless plug stuff. And then <laughs> um, you listed like all of your podcasts. And then I was like, wait, why have I never been on those? Oh, I was, yeah, I there like, we go. I was like, what are we doing? I was like, we're getting you on event icons tomorrow. Boom. I can do that. I just had to tell you what time. Um, <laughs> and then we're talking about AI and copyright. So even like right now, um, I want to say it's tomorrow. Oh gosh, that's horrible. Cause you know, this will, this, this episode will air by then, but like <laughs> we're doing the, the graphic artist guild is actually doing this, like, uh, or this event, which is like a global event in, in association with other associations about designers response to AI and like how, Oh yeah. 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 I forget. I'm, I'm talking, I'm over here talking about AI movement and you guys are the ones who are like probably the most disrupted by the whole thing in a lot of ways. Well, you know what? I, I, I mean, again, my opinion, no one kill me, no one throw a stone at me, but I genuinely believe that it's just like a, like a lawnmower. Like you, it's, it's what you can use it to enhance what you do for a living. It doesn't mean it's going to make you obsolete. What will make you obsolete is if you choose not to engage. Like exactly. if you choose not to figure out how to utilize technology to improve the user experience, to to you to improve your output, to create something more valuable for your actual audience or your actual community. That's how you become obsolete. So for me, yes, as a designer, I may be affected, um, but I'm I'm not about to get counted out. Well, because of that, I think you're going to be, you're going to be way more successful because I mean, like there were so, so many times I'm sure like, you know, like I started doing graphic design probably around the time that you did. And like, you know, 2007 was when like Photoshop was like hitting like its pinnacle, you know, and I think like Adobe was switching and everybody to Photoshop model and when, oh my gosh, you know, and, and I'm sure when Photoshop first came out, like first, first came out, like this is probably before I was, when I was a little, little kid. Is like people are like, oh my gosh, how dare like they're gonna put photo editors out of business, blah blah blah. And now look at everybody uses Photoshop. So I think like the thing to think about is like 
like you said, it's like a tool. And so like Steve Jobs has that quote that like a computer is like a bicycle for the mind. I think AI is like handing a, a car to your mind. You no longer have to think about balancing and pedaling. You just push go and it takes you in the right direction you need to go in. Absolutely. I am there for that. Well, well, we've been chatting up a storm. Um, and I mean, maybe we'll just have to bring you back on another time because I'm ready for part two. It's all day. Uh, <laughs> before I let you go, I do want to ask what is one industry event you think every corporate event marketer or planner should attend every year? And I know when I put every year, it freaks people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're like, oh, how can I commit to a single one? Yeah, I actually, I would say for every year, it's it's IMAX. Um, okay. IMAX is really unique in a couple different ways. A, if you're Europe-based, you can go to IMAX Frankfurt very easily. If you're not Europe-based, IMAX America in Vegas. Everyone can fly to Vegas super cheap. It's a huge hub. There's so many hotels you can get and stay there very, very cheap. Almost everybody can get to Vegas very, very easily, right? But what's amazing about it is it doesn't cost any money to attend. You can sign up and go for free, but also too on top of that is that if you are an actual event planner, you can sign up to be a hosted buyer. And if you're actually planning events, they will literally fly you there, put your hotel up, all those things like that to have you have meetings with suppliers, which a lot of times like when we're going shopping for suppliers and things like that, we wish that we could just put them all in one room and just talk yeah. to all the different cities, you know, yeah. and talk to the CVB of Jamaica and all these things yeah. like that, right? Um, and I think IMAX allows for that. It's also, you know, this is a quote from Brant Kruger. I, I, I tend to quote my friends that we all do podcasts together because we talk so much. I love but that. He says, every year he meets more and more people at IMEX. And every or every year he meets more and more people in the industry. And every year all of them are at IMEX. And it's like, that's the one conference that I committed to that, you know, coming out of the pandemic when I was not traveling at all and I wasn't moving at, at all, I said, I'm only going to one conference. It's going to be IMEX America. Um, and so I highly recommend everyone go to IMAX. It's just so amazingly easy to go to. It's less about the content. It's more about meeting people. But because it's free, you basically just need to figure out how to get there and where to stay unless you become a hosted buyer. And boom, just bump into people, meet people. And you and you literally will meet everybody at IMAX. Well, I guess I'm going to IMAX. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Will. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your energy and all the information that you were willing to share with the listeners and me. Thank you for, for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And I, I'm fangirling that you let me come on the podcast, too. So thank you so much. And that's a wrap for this episode of Aventus 365. We hope you enjoyed listening and learning something new today. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to help event professionals discover us. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode and sign up for our newsletter for behind-the-scenes content and updates on upcoming events. If you have any suggestions for future topics or guests or just want to say hello, you can reach us at info at eventus365.com. We love hearing from our listeners. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Aventus 365.